your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. Coming up on the show, Lacrosse District Attorney Tim Grinke, and we're going to talk about the police, systemic racism, everything surrounding that. Uh, I think this is one of these kind of a passion for for Tim Grinke in terms of you know seeing what's what's actually going on and, and trying to convey you know the problems that that we have in in our country right or in the world in the state in our city uh these are problems that that are actually taking place here whether or not you want to believe that whether or not you feel that or experience that you know most of us are white here so we don't exactly experience that and the only way we can is to hear stories and to you know and Tim Grinke has probably heard more stories than anyone being that he's the district attorney um also you know, if we want to get into, if you got questions for Tim Grinky too, 608-785-7914. So we're really going to get into that. So if you want to, you want to call or text about that stuff, give us a call. Uh, before we do that, though, I will say that Lacrosse County set a record today uh, for COVID numbers seven. Brad came running in here. I, I, it's one of the things I haven't gotten to yet. Haven't gotten to look. And oh, of course, we have. Uh, we set a record for for amount of COVID cases today with seven. It doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a lot for here. Five, we've had five a couple of times. Now we're at seven, and we've had, um, I believe, 11 days in a row. Um, so we've, here's the last last couple of days. Uh, seven cases, three cases, three, two, three, two, three, four. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight days in a row, we've had more than one case. Um, and 11 days in a row, we've had a case. So that's a record. The record for no cases in a row in the county, 13. So if we get two more days with cases in the county, we'll you know have offset that record to a degree. Um, so, so there's that news. There's also news that the Tribune put out. Uh, if you remember about two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago now, we were talking about a letter that went out to high school seniors claiming to be from the Lacrosse County Republican Party or the executive committee, whatever you want to call that. And it was filled with a lot of weird historical information, just kind of disparaged the Democrat Party and touted the Republican Party. And the entire point of the letter for soon-to-be voters, right, was to pick a party. Pick a party. And, of course, that party was supposed to be pick the Republican Party. Look at, the, look at how terrible the Democrats are and how wonderful the Republicans are. And if you remember, it came with a coupon for a free MAGA hat. Uh, with a student membership, so not really free. It cost $10, I think it said, on that coupon. And it's saying at the bottom of that coupon, trigger more snowflakes than an avalanche, which was interesting. Uh, so so uh, now getting by the fact that someone thought it was a good idea to send a letter in the mail to 17 and 18-year-olds. And the idea that history would be a way to convince 17 and 18-year-olds to get into politics if we look look by that fact, like I don't know if that's the, the I don't know if we're reaching anyone there. Uh, the big question was, of course, who wrote the letter? And um, Bill Fian came on the show. I called him last minute. I said, "Bill, do you want to address this? You know, it's kind of going through the news." And I didn't have time to get a hold of Bill Fian today. I don't know if he would have came on to address this. I'm sure he would have, but Bill Fian came on to the show, and and this is what he said about that letter. We didn't send that letter out. We don't support what's said in that letter. We find it offensive. It feels like a gut punch. This is the kind of dirty trick stuff in politics that makes people not want to be involved. Well, according to emails sent to the Lacrosse Tribune, or the Lacrosse Tribune got a hold of some emails, uh, that letter came from one of the members of the Republican Party Executive Committee. 
Uh, the emails were forwarded to the Tribune, just reading a little bit from the Tribune, confirms that officials were not immediately certain of the letter's origins, but one of its members of the executive committee had sent the letter out without final approval from officials. And uh, and then some of the emails said, uh, you know, from, from I believe this is from Feehan. So this was May 27th. Feehan came on that night and said what I just played. Uh, but this was May 27th, the morning of May 27th. Feehan wrote, can someone tell me who drafted this letter? Your poorly crafted letter has given our party a black eye. So it kind of sounds like that Fian brought up, you know, somebody here in this email and in this email thread, I don't know how, you know, like whatever, they're sending it out to the whole committee or, or what. Somebody wrote this letter. Who did it? You, you know, like you gave, you're giving, you're making us look bad by, and, and what Fian did that night, you know, on the show, he also called it this. The thing I want to make clear in this letter, there's a lot of bizarre statements. It's almost like the Unabomber manifesto, but the policy of our county party and the Republican Party in general is that everybody is welcome. So that's the party's policy in general, but not from this rogue executive committee member who sent this letter out to seniors. Again, a letter in the mail talking about history in some demented way that that is akin to the Unabomber manifesto. Uh, so yeah, a little bit, a little bit more interesting than, you know, just some rogue person is a little bit more interesting when it's some, some rogue person sending out this letter. And, uh, yeah, so that's that, that's all I got on that. I don't, I don't have the emails in front of me. The Tribune had the story, the Tribune's got those emails. So, uh, but, but it is kind of interesting how Fian did come in later that day and say he didn't know who wrote that letter. And he, I guess he didn't. He didn't know exactly, but he knew somebody in the party could have just said, hey, so we had some somebody in our party sent this out without our permission, and I don't approve of it, but that's not how that went down. So anyway, moving on, we're going to hit Scott's comment. No, we're going to hit uh, Brad doing the news, and uh, we're going to come back with Tim Grinke, the Cross County's district attorney. We're going to talk about everything police, systemic racism, and this topic's not going away, so you know, maybe – start to I guess it would be great if if we all could start to figure out you know where black people stand in our community where where they've been most affected by this and and hopefully Tim Granke will bring some light to that uh as a as our district attorney all right we're going to be back here's the news coming up on wisdom be back with lacrosse county district attorney Tim Granke after this All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 if you want to get in on this conversation with Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grenke. Uh hey Tim, how was it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh this has uh been a kind of an enlightening two weeks. Do you do you feel uh I, I guess how 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 have you felt about this this as this like growing movement that you know it's always kind of lingered under the the radar a little bit and then when something happened it would you know, it would pop up and it would go away. Yeah. But this doesn't seem to be going away this time. No, I, I think uh, the issues that have come up in the last two weeks are not new, but certainly the intensity of it is is new and the, the momentum is new. But uh, the issues of uh, policing in our community, police use of force and racism have been something that people in our system are constantly talking about and have been aware of for a long time and I would say that it's probably a good thing that this is kind of being brought out so we can have these discussions. And I would also say that the the good news is when people look at policing around the country, uh, Wisconsin in particular, La Crosse, I think is ahead of most places when when you look at the types of things that people are asking our police to do. 
Um, I've had a number of people contact me by either phone or email to ask me to adopt uh, something called the Eight Can't Wait campaign or part of Campaign Zero, the national movement, to try to reform policing yeah, that use of force. That eight can't wait campaign. There's eight things, right? Like essentially, here we need to change, and I'll just say them real quick: ban chokeholds and strain, strain, strangleholds. So it, maybe we just will chip at these. Have we yep. done that? We've done that already here, right? Yeah, we long ago didn't need to have somebody die to know that a chokehold's a bad idea. So our police are not even trained anymore on how to do this. Uh, it's not part of any policy here. Uh, I've not seen anybody do a chokehold or stranglehold. So here it's, it's, it's been uh, banned and not trained on for quite some time. Yeah, the, the only time that you do that is uh, you do the fake sleeper hold on your little brother. That's the only time I ever do the, uh, those things. I, I did the same thing. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're, we're, we're chipping away at the eight, uh, is yep. the, yeah, the eight can't wait campaign uh, with lacrosse district attorney Tim Granke. Uh, number two, require de-escalation. Yes, our police, I think, are remarkable at this. When I've gone on ride-alongs, I've been amazed at how um, we in lacrosse have trained on this extensively, um, how to de-escalate a situation and not increase it. Um, so you, you routinely will see our officers being able to get out of a situation where in other jurisdictions, I think a gun would have been used and maybe even a shooting, um, where here I think our police have been hesitant in times when they didn't necessarily have to be. So I think they're well-trained in de-escalating situations. Now, the police put out a what was called, and it is called, a trans- transparency and policing page. It's on the uh, the City of La Crosse website. And if you go, you know, they've got a couple of different graphics, not even a couple, a whole bunch. But one of them is uh, La Crosse Police Department's use of force in 2019. So in 2019, there were 103 incidents reported on here. Um, and 2019... Enforcement actions, 6,432, and the percentage of enforcement actions that required use of force, 1.6%, including one time with a gun and 24 times with a taser. Right, Um, and so that brings up, again, I think we can be proud of our police here that force is not something that's used very often. Um, As you just said, over 6,000 incidents where there was some interaction where about 1% of the time force is actually being used, and most of that is not lethal force and not even, you don't see batons on there, uh, OC or pepper spray um, not used. Um, and that goes with one of the um, eight can't wait is all require comprehensive reporting. Our local uh, police officers, anytime force is used or someone resists, they document it so supervisors can see it and they train on that. Um, so I think our police do keep track of when force is used and determine whether it was appropriate to be used. All right. So number two on or number three on this eight can't wait is uh, require warning before shooting. Yeah, that one is again part of the um, also part of the continuum of force, which is another one of these eight. Um, police will warn people before they'll shoot them and before they get to shooting they'll try to do as much as possible. Uh, it's I can't say it's always gonna happen because you can go to the most recent shooting with uh, Officer Darling and watch the video and see that he was shot before he even had a chance to really do anything. So it's it's not always going to be possible, but you can also see the other police shootings we've had. Um, specifically, the one happened on uh, Highway 16. Yeah, I'm thinking um, the one with the, the, the chain, right? The, the guy chain, swinging right. the chain. They, they used the warnings. They used Taser. They used the dog. I mean, before shooting came, they went through everything you pretty much have except maybe pepper spray. Um, so they certainly are trained to... Um, 
warn people before they shoot, but it's, of course, not always going to be possible. Yeah, and they don't have chains, so there was no equal. You can't swing a chain back at the guy. Correct, so. right. Um, and then that goes to the next one I just kind of talked about, exhausting all alternatives before shooting. Like I said, our police, you can see from their report, use decentralization, which is basically taking some to the ground, uh, holding them down. Um, but they will use tasers before lethal force. Um, there have been a number of instances where lethal force could have been used but, but wasn't where I feel like in other jurisdictions it, it might have been used, where their training isn't as well, and they're using guns much more often than other things. So, All right. Uh, the, the next one on the 8 Can't Wait campaign is the duty to intervene. I, I'm not 100% sure on this because I've never had to look it up, but I believe that all the police departments have a policy that they have to report misconduct by other officers, yeah, I'm, whether I'm, it's use of force or other types of misconduct. I, I believe they have a requirement that they have a duty to, to speak up. Yeah. And this is kind of a interesting one in terms of what happened to George Floyd. Right. I think, uh, yep. I think some of those, I think information came out that some of those officers kind of spoke up, but they didn't act, uh, right. physically. And right. then this, this thing in, well, I don't know if you, if there was a duty to intervene in the, the, the incident in Buffalo with the old man that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. was pushed over and the, you know, that was kind of it. So it would have been hard to intervene in that case, but, uh, the, yeah, and, and both of those are examples of where when I see that, I can't for the life of me figure out what those police officers were thinking. And it's not the kind of thing that, that we do see on the cross. Um, the use of batons to push people down and then not even render aid. Um, for example, we have Oktoberfest every year where we get, what, close to 100,000 people in town, many of them drinking. And I don't see police using batons and pushing people down. I, that doesn't just happen by accident, I think. We should be happy that we have put a lot of thought into that. It takes a lot of planning, months of planning by the police to keep everybody safe and not escalate things and keep uh, people calm. And that's not easy. You know, if you were an officer and had, you know, what, maybe 100 of you compared to the 100,000, it's kind of tough to keep your calm and not let things escalate. So I think we can be happy that I think our police are doing a pretty good job compared to other places that put on the riot gear and get out the batons. Yeah, and I don't know if you know this, Tim, at Oktoberfest, people are drinking most of the day. So by most, the, of, the, most <laughs> of the week, actually. Most of the week. So by the, by the end of the night, uh, a lot of people are a little out of their minds. And, and, uh, and it's, you know. it's not easy to reason with them. So no, again, it's, it's, it's pretty... It, we should be happy with our police in that area that they don't make it into uh, a riot. They don't you know escalate things. They try to keep people calm, even when they're arresting them. It's... It could be a dangerous situation when you're that outnumbered, and I think they do a good job of holding, holding back and just intervening when they absolutely have to. And then the idea that, uh, you know, like duty to intervene, obviously, like if something got out of hand, have, have we ever had a case like that where one officer is getting out of hand with somebody they're trying to arrest? And another officer, I mean, we haven't, we haven't gotten, has anything even close to that happened uh, in the area? I, I've not seen it. And again, because our use of force is pretty low. I, I just don't think that that's really a problem. I think uh, if it's happened, I can't remember a time that I've seen that. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the another incident that I'm remembering, Tim, uh, again, the Lacrosse County District Attorney, Tim Grinke on with us. Uh, we're talking about the eight can't wait campaign at this point, and we're going to get into some other things too, but, um, you know, one of the, like the police, police actually killed a man, right? Like he stole a car with a baby in the back seat. Yes. Um, the, you know, like is that, that's a thing that went through your court system, right? Yeah, uh, that was another officer involved shooting. Um, and another thing that people are asking for is our, our independence in investigations. And anytime 
there's an officer involved shooting. Wisconsin has a statute that requires outside agencies to do the investigation. So again, I think we've already kind of worked on some of these things. But yeah, that was a case where somebody had a what appeared to be a gun. I can't remember if it was a real gun or a BB gun, but it appeared to be a real gun, and it was pointed at an infant where the guy had stolen a car. Um, and so that's where police used uh, deadly force, um, but again, to save the life of that infant. Um, yeah, and and not a black guy either. So like, um, you know, the, the, it he comes, was white, right? Uh, in terms of uh, the idea, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that case in terms of uh, the use of deadly force. So sometimes that's you know we want to you know when when is it justifiable? When is it not? So there's a baby involved. Um, all right, so the next one in this kind of not not totally similar, but in the next eight can't wait campaign uh, ban shooting at moving vehicles. Yeah, that's something that, again, that must happen somewhere else because I, I, it would be illegal here to shoot at a moving vehicle unless you were doing it to save your life or the life of another person. And I, I know that that's not uh, something that people are just doing to you know, stop people from fleeing. Um, that certainly would be illegal. Um, and so that, along with the next one, which is a required use of force continuum, kind of go hand in hand. Police in Wisconsin are not allowed to use force unless it's to overcome an illegal act by somebody else, usually the use of force against the officer. Um, and you can't only use such force to overcome that resistance. You can't use deadly force, for example, just because somebody tenses up their arms. Um, you have to use the least amount of force necessary to stop their resisting, and then you have to stop once you've overcome that. So, for example, in Minnesota, with uh, the man that they killed, was on the ground, they had a knee in his neck. Once he stopped resisting and he was motionless, they should have gotten off him right away. I still can't imagine what, what, what they were thinking. Um, but that's an example of how you just can't shoot a moving vehicle to stop somebody. You can't use force against somebody just because they're being mouthy. Um, you can't hit somebody or use your baton just because you're mad. Um, it's got to be to overcome something they're doing. And once you reach that, you have to stop the force, and then you have to go into detaining them. Yeah, and the idea of shooting a moving vehicle, the the idea of banning that is if you shoot a moving vehicle and you kill the driver, the car is still moving. So unless right. you're well, out you might the, miss and yeah. hit somebody else, it's not not safe. And I know our officers are certainly not trained to shoot moving vehicles. And again, I you can only do that if for some scenario you were at risk, perhaps at the gun coming right at you. I suppose, but even then, um, you could you're supposed to first try to if you can get out of the way or avoid shooting. Um, that should be done first. Yeah, we had this happen in Onalaska some years ago, right? The, where an officer was shooting. It was in a parking lot, right? Do you remember this? Uh, there was one in Holman uh, where in a parking lot an officer shot through a windshield, but he was basically right at the hood of the car when the car revved up and was going over him. So he ended up on the hood of the car. And so that would be the example where um, his life was in danger from the car accelerating to him. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where he was kind of right up against it. I, I'm trying to picture like a car going down a street and why you would ever shoot from like behind the car like to do in movies yeah they always do that but that's not something we do here yeah i mean the joker took a rocket launcher from a side of a yeah. no anyway so yeah the idea that you shoot into a moving vehicle even if you you kill the driver the, the vehicle's still moving and right. it could hit you know any unless you're out in the middle of nowhere then maybe i guess but yeah. the last thing on this eight can't wait require comprehensive reporting yeah and like i said before the you can see from lacrosse police department and other departments um keep track of this as well. They just might not have put it up on websites yet, but they c capture all the use of force that they use, and they uh, fill out reports on why they used the force, what force they used, 
and in La Crosse, most jurisdictions have body cams and squad cams, so supervisors can review that and see if it was appropriate, and if it weren't, they could take disciplinary action um, up to and including firing, which, again, is another topic that people are talking about, that police unions have too much power that bad officers can't get rid of. Um, and, again, that's clearly happened in Minneapolis, where somebody had, I think the main actor there had, like, 18 complaints against them. But here yep. across, there have been a number of officers that have been let go by departments where they're not um, living up to the requirements. So I don't know I don't know the personnel issues in the cases, but I know that there's officers that have been let go for misconduct here, and I don't see a situation where police officers who are bad have been able to stay on regardless of their conduct. All right. We're talking with La Crosse County District Attorney Tim Grenke. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to get into the idea, uh, you know, what exactly is systemic racism and, and how it is affecting uh, the population here and, and across the state. But we got Scott's comment in the news. We'll be back right here on Wisdom. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 785 7914, the talking text line. I'm Rick Solom, Lacrosse District Attorney Tim Grinke on the phone with us. We're talking about uh, policing and racism and. Um, the, the eight can't wait campaign and just how that relates to what's going on locally. Uh, Tim, I, I did get a text here about, uh, and I don't know the details. I don't know the details to either of these. I remember one happening and the other, um, you know, the texter says something about two black officers in the lacrosse police department were hazed off the force. Uh, one discrimination suits, uh, the city solved that by not hiring more black officers, which I don't know is true or not. Mm. Um, but, but the I do remember one black officer uh, settling, you know, something. But do you know anything about these? Um, I, so there's two separate uh, individuals that I know sued the police department just from news reporting. I don't have any inside information. Um, they were not at the same time, so they weren't together. Um, and because I'm not, you know, privy to what the complaints were, I don't know that I could say what exactly the allegations were or what the settlement was for or what it was about. But I do know that there were two officers in the past that sued the department. I, it's not true that they're not hiring more uh, black officers. There are black officers um, on the force now and in our county right now. So um, I know that they continue to try to recruit minority members, but I think that's going to lead into what the next thing I'm going to talk about is lacrosse isn't exactly a welcoming place to recruit minority members to. So it's not for lack of trying, and it's not that they don't hire them. Um, it's just hard to get people to apply here to lacrosse. On top of that, it's hard to get police officers to apply in general, isn't it? Is that's that's kind of a a very yeah. big need for for police forces around the country. That it has been uh, an occupation that less and less people are applying for. I know that the departments have told me that they used to get more applications than they're getting now. So, yeah, there are less people even applying. So the pool of applicants is smaller than it used to be, um, and so it's even harder to find um, people of color to apply and and to get through the process that it used to be. But I do know that they all strive for that and are, are constantly trying to figure out ways to improve that situation. But it's not something they're going to do alone. It's something that I think the community has to take some responsibility for as well. Yeah, the idea, I think I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and the, 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 there was a weird stat that they, I think he was with the A Can't Wait campaign, actually. It was a pretty pretty big podcast. Uh, but he said the weird stat was, and he didn't know why they were just starting to get data on this, is once the police force was 35% black, 
they started to see some of the 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 numbers change in terms of like you know racist racism and and stuff that hovering around that so um i, I was just an interesting stat and he was like i don't know it, it go once it hits 35% that's when things start to change and i couldn't tell you why that's the number but that was the number he said um and i was just going to go to the phones here real quick tim uh, joe joe has been waiting joe go ahead you're on with uh, lacrosse county district attorney tim grenke the thing that I don't understand with the uh, use of force by police is uh, George Floyd was from that neighborhood. He's it's not like he was an outsider. You know, he was a local trouble causer. Why couldn't they have, you know, gone to his house two, three days, a week later, um, you know, for something as petty as using fake money? Why do we bring all out force and kill the person versus, you know, using common sense and knowing he's from the neighborhood He's not going far. He's going to be around. We'll have the opportunity to talk to him again. When did that stuff go out the window and it's bring the bear cat or nothing? And then the other point I want to make, I don't believe it's systemic racism. I think, uh, you know, our parents taught us when we were kids that you don't get involved with illegal activities. You don't cause trouble with the law. Otherwise, you may end up killed. And nowadays, that's not taught. And they put all, all of a sudden, all the blame is on the police, you know. If you're going to engage in using fake money and being a pest to shop owners and then be on drugs to the point where you can't control yourself, resisting arrest where you have a heart attack and die, a lot of that blame falls on yourself and how you were raised. Although I do believe police using force instead of using common sense caused his death. I mean, he's from that neighborhood. Go and bother him three or four or five days later or two weeks later. Who cares? Or at least the man's still alive. It was a fake twenty dollar bill. Okay, Joe. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Tim. You want to tackle any of that? Sure. The um, the idea of coming back later, I don't know, really solves anything because the police are there then, and they're going to arrest him, letting him go, and coming back three days later, you might have the same issue. Anytime somebody gets arrested, they can resist. So I'm not sure if coming back later would have changed anything here. And it's not always true. I guess that you can find people that easy. So it's um, when police have somebody in front of them that they're going to arrest, I wouldn't see the need to just let them go and then try to find them later. It, you may have the same issue. Um, in terms of uh, that he thought some of it's on him that uh, he was doing something wrong, I, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, this is a, a human being. He's a son, a father, a brother, and he's one of us. And for people to say that he had a role in his death is, I think, a pretty distasteful comment, to be honest. That's just not right. Um, nobody wants to see him die, and I don't believe that he earned that death. The idea that um, somehow people are taught to be nice or else don't get in trouble, I think that brings me to the idea of the systemic racism where I think people see people of color different than they see white people. Um and I think you can talk to anybody of color in this town, and they'll tell you that, that they don't always feel comfortable and they don't always feel safe. And part of that is on us to find out, well, why is that, instead of just denying that it's there. So I don't put the blame on the police. I put the blame on our entire community, our entire country, that we are living in a very white society. It's natural that we would feel comfortable around other white people and not feel comfortable around people of a different culture. Um, so the idea that there's no systemic racism is missing the point. I think we need to all stop saying that phrase, I'm not racist. 
Um, when people are in a country they don't understand, think if you've ever been in a foreign country, you don't understand the language, you don't recognize the food, you don't know the customs, you feel out of place. Well, some people living in La Crosse feel like that almost every day. And then the police are just a representation of that community that doesn't understand them and doesn't relate to them and doesn't see them as an equal. And that's what systemic racism is about. And sometimes that does have an impact on who gets arrested, who gets arrested for what charge, how they get processed through the court system. I'll take some blame for this, how I treat them. And I have to be aware of that so that we're not just using our own biases against people and making the situation worse. We need to respect all people regardless of color. And even if they're using drugs and even if they're passing $20 bills, they're still one of us. We're all human beings and we're all in it together. And I don't think he in any way deserved it or, or earned that. Yeah. And if you're not experiencing this as a, you know, where you're listening to black people talk about, you know, how they're, they're treated differently, the numbers speak for themselves. Are, do they not, Tim? Uh, yeah, you can't ignore. I mean, at some point, there's more going on than just the idea that some people are bad and some people are good. Um, the numbers will show us that in any system you look at, whether it's housing, uh, jobs, schooling, healthcare system, the court system, the jail system, the prison system, there is a definite uphill battle for people who are of a different color or of a different culture or of a different religion than the mainstream. And it's not going to get fixed by those people fixing it, as we would say. We have to take ownership of that as a community, and we have to also stop just putting it off on the police to say those police are racist. Well, what gives you the right to say that? They come from the same schools, neighborhood, and churches we go to, so the police are also one of us. So we have to stop separating people into the categories and saying, if we want to have a better lacrosse, and I know in the first half of the show I was talking about police doing a good job, but there are issues we can still work on, and this is the issue we need to work on. We all need to come together to try to figure out how can we make it better for people who are not living the life that we are living and did not have the privileges that we had growing up and realize that by helping them, we're helping all of us make a better community. All right. Hey, Tim, we're going to go back to the phones here. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Who's this? That's Rich. Hey, Rich. You're on with uh, Lacrosse District Attorney Tim Grinke. You have a question for him? No, I don't really have a question. I just got a comment, listen to a statement. You know, I absolutely agree with him in one point that, you know, he did not deserve to have happen what happened, you know, to, to be killed by police. But, you know, just to say, you know, you've got to remember, if, if, if you don't have the police called on you, chances are this would have never happened, very likely. You know, I don't get in trouble a lot. I got pulled over probably a year ago, you know, for no license plate. First thing I did is I'm not sitting there arguing with the police. You got no reason to pull me over. You got this and that. I'm not doing this. I ain't doing nothing. You know, there, there there's a thing about being respectful. You know, and and that and and there's a little bit. You know, it, you know this thing that all the people in lacrosse are, are racist and, and systemic, and uh, I'm really kind of a little frustrated with that. Of, of being called this and, and thinking that I have to apologize all the time for something I'm not doing. All right. Thanks, Rich. Uh, I don't think anyone's calling everybody racist. I think that the idea is that you're getting pulled over for not having, what did he say, a, a license yeah. registration or something, uh, where black people are saying, I'm getting pulled over for nothing. Like, I'm getting right. pulled over for, for no reason. I, I heard a story the other day. Uh, 
It was it was uh, during alternate side parking in the in the city. Uh, it was you know right before midnight. Black guy uh, had to move his car across the road. Right, like he just has to flip his car, but he's in shorts and a t-shirt. He runs out to move his car, and apparently there was a call, and I don't know. It was just a story I heard. Apparently, at some point during the evening before that, there was a call. Uh, the, uh, and the, the the call was about a black person that did something. So when police drove by, they saw this black guy running across the road, and then they detained him and questioned him. And it, it seemed like it was a pretty easy situation where you'd be like, "Well, here's my car. I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. I don't even, you know, maybe a shoes on. It was winter, and I'm just moving it. And I live right here. But but it was a big problem. And if that was a white person, had he, you know, just been running out across the road to move his car, you know, would have been even a thing. I I don't know, but um. Tim, when when uh, we talk about this, you know, it, it's almost like uh, we expect everybody to assimilate to to our culture. Uh, you know, when 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 apparently we're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to accept all, you know, everybody with open arms a little bit. Yeah, the the um, so Rich's call is, I think, a perfect example of how he hears the term systemic racism and thinks he's being called a racist and thinks that's offensive to him. Well, I don't mean to offend him. What I mean to say is that we have to get away from the idea that if you don't call someone the N-word, you're not a racist, that, that somehow racism is only this intentional hatred of another person. It also is just the fact that if you talk to people of color in this town, you will hear story after story after story of how they've been treated poorly. And the the place we live in is designed to promote the majority of people here who are white. And again, if you're from another culture, if you are another color, you will feel like you don't belong here. And that will affect everything from jobs to your mental health to your health and everything else. So we have to get away from this idea that I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not racist. Well, what have you done to help the Hmong people assimilate, so to say, in our culture or the black people. And we talk about America being a melting pot, but what we really mean is you have to be like us white people. We don't really mean that we're going to change what we're doing. What we really are saying when people say that is those people need to change. And we have to get away from that language that somehow if I'm not racist because I don't outwardly say bad things, then everything's fine, because it clearly isn't. I mean, just look at the stats and the numbers. You can't get away from that. All right, we're going to go. Two, two more calls here, Tim. Uh, Eric from Sparta is calling. Eric, you got a question for Tim Grinke? Yeah, I do. Do you think uh, Mayor Cabot's wife will be charged with disorderly conduct, assault, and uh, whatever, you know, the other thing she's doing with this guy? Because the guy was, didn't, he didn't do anything wrong whatsoever. He's going to get some food. Will she be charged with anything? Mayor Cabot thinks the guy should be charged with a crime. All right, Eric. Uh, I don't know. C- can you comment on that, Tim? I, I can't comment on it. I haven't seen any reports and anything that would be under investigation. I wouldn't comment on anyways. Sure. And then our last caller here. Caller, who's this? Yeah, this is Mark from La Crosse. Hey, Mark, do you got a question hey. for Tim? Yeah, I got a comment to start with. Tim, I, I ran a 24-hour restaurant in East Lake Street back in the 90s for eight years. In the time that I managed that restaurant, I hired all African Americans. Uh, I hired every ethnicity, natural uh, natural Americans, et cetera. One thing I'll say, I was robbed three times. And one of the times, it was during during the night, my assistant manager had an axe blade held to his neck as we were robbed. So that area can be pretty tough. The one thing I'd like to mention is that 
uh, and then also I had one employee who, who in that case was an African-American, and somebody saw him put a case of steaks into his car, and as I tried to stop him, he almost ran me over um, when I was running that restaurant. Now, that doesn't – I had white uh, employees. I had all kinds of employees, and it doesn't it, – no one it, – it's not national nationality that's the problem. You can have bad people no matter what nationality they are, and I had my fair share up there. Well, one thing I will say is that are you looking at the uh, public unions like the police department, the un- they're recognized by a union, and my question to you is sometimes the unions make it so hard for the administrators to reprimand or even let go of an employee if they did not do their job properly. And when you look at Minneapolis, and it's a very liberal city, I think sometimes it's pretty hard as a conservative to say, blame it all on Trump when all this happened up in Minneapolis where you have Democrats that are running the city, you have Democrats that are running the state, but yet it's an easy target to blame conservatives when the cops were in a liberal administration and something fell through the cracks. This guy had 17 offenses on his record and still had a job. All right. Uh, Thanks for the call. Um, Um, Go ahead, Tim. I, I don't. I don't know that I have said anything that's liberal or conservative or blame for for anything. Um, nope. I did mention before the police unions have been brought up as something that needs to be changed around the country, and because I don't know the you know inner workings of personnel in the police departments, I, you know I I can't speak directly to that, but I can just say I know that in La Crosse we've had officers fired and uh, disciplined for misconduct. So I I don't know that that's a problem here the chief or the sheriff or one of the other chiefs in the county might have a different feeling about that, but I don't get the sense in La Crosse County that they haven't been able to fire people that they thought should be fired. Has And real quick, Tim, just the last question in, in, in terms of, you know, you mentioned the county. We, we put a lot of this on the city police, the city police that, the city police this. Uh, has the county county police, you know, have, have you had the, any discussions with them about, about some of this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the sheriff has uh, been very involved in all of our discussions on this topic. Um, they're both members of our Criminal Justice Management Council, which oversees our criminal justice system, along with uh, Chief Ashbeck in Alaska. So uh, all of the chiefs in the county, I think, um, are, are on the same page on these issues. Uh, the city does get the attention because they have most of the cases and they're the biggest ones. But uh, I should say that I think uh, the sheriff and all the chiefs are are way ahead of other departments around the state in terms of their training and the use of force. And when it comes to people thinking that there are things that need to be changed, I think they're both open to speaking with our community, listening to the community. And I think we're also lucky that I think La Crosse has a good reputation that we can at least talk about the issues. And I think all of them will at least come to the table and, and hear people out. All right. La Crosse County District Attorney Tim Granke, thanks so much for, for coming on and spending the hour sure. with us. No problem. All right. See ya. All right, that's going to wrap up that segment of the show. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right here on Wizzip. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks so much for Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke stopping. Well, not stopping in, calling in. Uh, tomorrow, no show. NASCAR. NASCAR is going to be on in here tomorrow, I think, at Martinsville Speedway. I couldn't tell you the first names here. I'm looking at the starting grid, but I don't know. Blaney, Elmirillo, Logano, Boyer, those are the top four guys. So that's what's going on here tomorrow. Thursday, still trying to figure out who we're going to bring on Thursday. 
I will say that the idea that we're we're still we're still upset over the mayor's wife being at a protest. If if that would have been anyone else's wife, and the mayor was on here yesterday, if you want to listen to that show, wisdomnews.com slash podcast. But the idea that we're still you know bringing up and going to be mad at, at the mayor's wife for doing something clearly that maybe maybe she was out of line, maybe the driver was out of line. I don't know if that's a story if it's just anyone else's wife. Uh, so that's why I don't like talking a lot about it a whole lot, and I don't have the police report in front of me. As Tim Grinke can't comment on stuff like that either, so that was something he has to do, not by choice. So, all right, thanks so much for joining me, and we'll do this all again not tomorrow, but Thursday. See you guys.